Hello and welcome to this week's episode of I'm Free. I'm Alex Brown. And I'm Josh. And I'm TC. Okay, so as you can hear, your host is not JT. He has uh, a conflict tonight, so I'm taking over. Tonight, we're going to start off with a talk about uh, Halo, led by our friend TC. Then we've decided for our main topic, we're going to talk about our favorite food experiences and other good food-based experiences we've had. And lastly, we're going to close with a true-false story by me. Uh, So, TC, uh, what about Halo? Yeah, so I figured I'd start with the one that we all kind of grew up playing together. We ended up, we played uh, quite a bit of Halo Reach together back in the day. Uh, Many, many hours, many, many late nights. uh, (laughs) For for me, many, many missed homework assignments. (laughs) (laughs) So... For those who aren't aware, in the uh, in the main Halo universe, uh, Halo Reach was essentially the fourth game, uh, or at least amongst the first-person shooters. It was the first non-Master Chief uh, Saga um, Halo game, at, where you yeah. play as a the newest member of Noble Six, uh, or at least if we're talking the campaign here, and. Uh, you're defending the uh, planet Reach from the Covenant's initial invasion of it. Uh, Reach was considered the uh, second most important uh, stronghold behind only Earth itself um, for the Earth allied forces. Uh, yeah, a, lot, a lot of major human stuff going on, and the aliens, they really wrecked shop. There's a lot of explosions. They destroyed all of our shipyards. It was sad. Indeed. Um, now, obviously, most of what we played together was the uh, multiplayer modes, however. Just g- Team Slayers, the generalized deathmatch. Uh, start out with standard weapons. Uh, a, uh, an infection. We played a lot of infections. We did play a lot yes, of yes. Uh, That's your standard uh, zombies-type game mode, where a few people start out as the zombies, and as they kill people... More zombies join their ranks uh, with the goal, with the primary goal being lasting as long as possible, but also the individual getting the most total kills was technically deemed the winner amongst. uh, Well, it was basically just don't get eaten by zombies. Yeah. You know, kill as many as you can, but mostly don't get eaten. Um, I remember pushing you guys into the zombies a lot because that's way (laughs) better than me getting killed. (laughs) (laughs) That's debatable. I would stand right behind Nick when he was on a tall uh, ledge, and I would just stand behind him pushing and pushing and pushing, and sometimes I'd get him over. That was the best. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, li- I liked playing that on um, the maps, uh, either Pinnacle or The Cage, because uh, th- yep, those were Forge-style yep, created maps, which, for those who don't know what they are... Uh, <clears throat> Forge was an additional uh, game mode where you could cre- where you could create maps, and uh, the creators went ahead and made some maps with the uh, with the pieces that you could use to put these maps together in in Forge mode, just to give you an idea of what some of those maps could look like. And so those were some of the uh, playable maps in uh, multiplayer game modes. And one of the buildings that you could put in on that was very difficult for a zombie to. Uh, a zombie to get up or to siege. Yeah, that tower. 
There was a big tower on one side. Yeah, so uh, two people could def- two people could hold a tower hold the tower pretty well. And if you had more than two people, at, uh, that was generally the human's best <clears throat> chance of holding out versus the zombies. Unless you push your buddy off the tower. Yeah, so like that, <laughs> that's yeah. a good plan. Josh, did you uh, play a whole lot of Halo back in the day? So I I did I didn't I don't think I played as much multiplayer as you guys did. I played a lot of the campaign with Ooh, my okay. uh, older brother, uh, one, two, and three especially. I think we probably played two the most. Uh, I did run through Reach a few times, and I and I did play online with you guys a, a little bit, but uh, yeah, I think I primarily stuck to the campaign. Did you ever mess around in their uh, Forge world, Forge mode? I did a little bit in Halo. What was that? Three, I believe. Um, yeah, that was. Yeah. that was a really extensive map making system. They did a great job, especially for oh, when it God, came yeah. out. Um, like honestly, impressive, really impressive graphicship. <clears throat> I, I oh would, yeah, I would say Reach was kind of the pinnacle as far as Forge mode goes, though, because. Oh that's yeah, they improved. They really allowed you, oh yeah, uh, they, that's where they really like gave you the biggest level open surface, the most uh, the most area to mess around with. Yeah, the whole forge and, uh, world. Yeah, and the best. Uh, oh, that was fun. And, and the best options. Four had something kind of similar, but they were just three uh, flat islands of varying sizes, and mm-hmm. they generally just weren't as good they didn't have as many different terrains or options that they had with the uh with the forge world from reach and the pieces that you could put together just weren't as interesting or weren't as good well it was an earlier version you know um but for its time i thought it was really good i was comparing to four uh four oh my mistake i thought you were saying three yeah four four is after bungee uh when gosh it it became Bungie yeah, sold, and it became three four three, a subsidiary of EA Games. Um, but it, it's it's all good. They're just um, it just collapsed after four. It doesn't really matter what they call it anymore. We all know it's just you know we have Halo One, Halo Two, Halo Three, all excellent. Halo Reach, I say pretty good too. I throw it in. Then just garbage. Period. Yeah, I actually I never played after after Reach. I think I played. A little bit of four at a friend's house. I was like, "Ugh, I don't want this." Yeah, and I just yeah. I never played anymore. <laughs> four kind of like tried to mesh. Uh, it tried to mesh the features of the Call of Duty series with it did. Uh, yeah with with uh, the Halo series, and you know it kind of. If if I wanted to play something more like Call of Duty, I'd be playing Call of Duty. If I wanted to play something more like Halo, I'd be playing Halo. I didn't want to take one that split, kind of tried to split the difference, especially because they weren't splitting the difference in a happy compromise way. More so, they were like, here's the features that people disliked from each and threw them all into one game. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of rough towards Halo 4, but kind of deserved too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I bought it. They got my money. Um, I played half the campaign and three hours in multiplayer and uh, realized it was pretty much garbage. Uh, <laughs> threw it away right, right back to Halo Reach. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I ended up with Halo 4 because uh, I bought the Master Chief collection for my, uh, for my Xbox One. I think they were actually running a promotion at the time. The one, 
I can't remember which was the free game included with mine. Uh, they had like two different promotions going on. One where you could get uh, Fallout uh, 4 with your uh, Xbox One purchase. And another one where you could get like the Master Chief collection with the Xbox One purchase. But I think they also had a promotion going where you could get a free game at the same time or whatnot. And so I used the free game option to get the other one, whichever one. Those were the first two games I got for my Xbox One were Fallout 4 and the Halo Master Chief Collection, which allowed me to go back and play some of the earlier campaign games that I hadn't had a chance to play before because the Xbox 360 was the first first console I got that I could play Halo games on and I believe one and two were only available for the original Xbox or PC. So they were, but those particular ones, at least I know for two, I I believe one was the same, was actually able to be played on the 360. That's how I played them growing up. Um, Yeah. My Xbox 360, I had Halo 2 for the original Xbox. I think I had the first one also. But yeah, I played them on my 360. It was an interesting because not all Xbox games played for 360. It was very select. I, I don't really know what the formula was for it, but uh, Halo 2, at least, and I believe Halo 1 was actually compatible. Well, that's fair. But by the time I got my uh, Xbox 360 and was uh, old enough that my parents would let me buy, uh, let me buy those games or buy those games for me. It was pretty hard to find a copy, even just used in in GameStop. And I'm an old curmudgeon who doesn't uh, who doesn't try buying things off the internet too much. I've changed on that a little bit in recent years, but generally I prefer a physical on-site store location. Yeah, you still hate technology. That's a a known fact about TC. Mm -hmm. For everyone in the audience out there, this guy is a step away from being Amish. (laughs) It's remarkable sometimes. Every time he wants to pay me, like, uh, for whatever debts he has, he just walks in with a wad of cash and throws it down. I'm like, all right. (laughs) Everyone else is Venmoing me. Every now and then I use a a check. That is true. Checks sometimes in this guy. You too, Josh. I'm like, this is the... uh, a freaking Amish podcast tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I have Venmo, but uh, you know, certain aspects of my life, I happen to have some cash on me usually. No, that's true. <laughs> you, it's your career. Um, yes. that that's how it gets in into your system. All that cash. Hmm. Anyway, moving on from money, how do we get to that? Back to Halo. <laughs> <laughs> TC, uh, do you remember? The night I first got Halo, it was like a Christmas night, and I had you guys for a sleepover a few days later, um, and we all cracked open Halo Reach and an Xbox 360, and we spent probably 14 hours in a row playing uh, multiplayer. Yeah, I, I think I, I think I vaguely remember that. I think you only had like two controllers at the time. I don't. Yes, that's because, so right. Like, we kept switching. It was a, it was horrible. I, I think the 360 might have uh, originally um, come with two controllers. I can't remember if that one came with one or two, but you had you had two mm-hmm. for whatever reason. But that was all that 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 was all that you had. Or maybe maybe one of them was Drew brought his controller or something. Who knows? Whatever it was. Yeah. Who knows? Who cares? We only had two controllers for. Was Nick at that too? Was, yes, four so kids, was four of us, yeah. four kids, two controllers. The battle begins. <laughs> we, it was uh, at first, 
it was that whoever dies next, like as soon as someone dies, you pass off the controller. That went for a oh, while. My. Um, then we switched it to like, you know, each matchmaking session, we, we switch off, we varied it up. That was fun though. I will say uh, the dies one, we were playing zombies at that time. <laughs> yeah. So you, okay. Like at lightning speed. And that's I was only, like, I will be a camper. That was only <laughs> the humans too, by the way. If you got turned into a zombie or whatnot like that, like oh, the that person right? that got to play a zombie, I, I think got to play the entire, uh, the entire rest of that round. Because yeah, zombies I, die a lot unless you just kind of like hide in a corner. That's true. I definitely remember me and Nick passing off controllers uh, as zombies. So maybe we were just having a side deal going or something. Um, who knows? But that was a very fun night with uh, a lot of good memories all yeah, upstairs. I appreciate the invite to that, by the way. Oh, you got it, buddy. Real happy to you. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite Halo memory? You got a good Halo memory? Uh, yeah. Well, I, I don't know if it, it's more like a broad thing. Like, I True. like what, what you guys did. I had some friends growing up who also had the game, and we would have several sleepovers. We would just play all night and then all morning. Oh, and yeah. it just – times like that was just a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually we kind of got to – Probably the best times I had on Halo was actually Halo 2 because all my friends had it and we would just play. It was at least my first experience uh, with online gaming. So, uh, I mean, cool. we, we played all the time uh, every night after dinner, you know. And this, so it was just Halo was a good time for me. Is this matchmaking you're playing or a co-op campaign? So in Halo 2, we mostly did matchmaking. I'm not sure if they had the online campaign together in Halo 2 or not. They might have. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure. But in Halo 3, that was a lot of fun as well because you could have multiple people. I, well, how many could you have? Was it just four. one? Uh, four, four for Halo 3? I was trying to remember. Yeah, you get a four dudes running around in Halo 3. Um, I played a lot of campaign back in the day of Halo 3. Yeah, yeah. Having too many allies, though... Um, it kind of made it damage the difficulty curve. You can set it to legendary, but if there's four players, they're going to slaughter the aliens. I mean, every time. Um, well, clearly you haven't seen me and my friends play. Oh, well, all right. Then. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, I agree with you. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously you die occasionally, but um, what you got to do oh, is sure. you got to turn um, iron. What was it? Iron man. The Iron Skull? Uh, yeah, something like that. One of those skulls. They had a lot of skulls, you know? Um, yeah. One of those skulls, it reset you to the last checkpoint if anyone in the team dies um, in campaign co-op. That was the right way to play. That was a yeah. lot of fun. <laughs> it made you hate the, the most aggressive player. You were like, you <laughs> son of a bitch, Drew! Stop <laughs> Just stand back here and take pot shots. We'll get it eventually. <laughs> oh God, uh, Drew! Uh, Drew is uh, by far the best of us at the game. Yeah, he was so but, good. Uh, but as a result, he would also be the most aggro. Yes. And he was also the one that was most likely to demand a lasso run. Yes. For those who aren't familiar, a lasso stands for legendary all skulls on. <laughs> yeah, it's it was it's a, a nightmare. fucking nightmare. <laughs> I really liked doing him though. To be honest, I, every time he did it with with us. Uh, it was because he's honestly like a Halo god. 
let's be real here. He's, <laughs> he's incredible at the game. So to see him roll in and be like, all right, 16 grunts, five elites, two hunters, and a swarm of uh, buggers. Hey, no problem, buddy. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> that, was, that was always impressive. Uh, I stood in the back and I, like, you know, just took a couple pot shots at one of the grunts. And I'm like, I'm helping. Yeah. I, I, Go, Drew. But I'd oh, somehow yeah. oh, still yeah. die before Drew. Now, that is true. <laughs> like, How the hell did this happen? He's, he's got both the, both the hunter's acro. How the heck? Yeah. Some random grunt hit me once and I'm dead. <laughs> yeah. Well, a, a lot of grenade sticks. Many times oh. I have heard the words flare by that stupid grunt. <laughs> like, Holy light! Or whatever they yell. Something stupid. Oh, <laughs> and then, all right, I'm dead. <laughs> there goes me. Now, I know oh. we also kind of briefly touched on this in the uh, podcast where we discussed uh, COD. But some of my uh, best uh, memories of Halo were uh, like we just uh, described a few minutes ago, where it was just all grouping together at someone's house during a sleepover or whatnot, and all piling on oh, yeah. the uh, piling on the same console, a little, little split screen, trying to remember which screen you were, not getting distracted by what the other people are doing. And oh yeah, man! <laughs> if they bring out snacks, I'm lost. <laughs> <laughs> I can't eat potato chips and remember my square at the same time. <laughs> so I, I have a question for you guys. So you guys yeah. were playing, obviously, split screen, local, multi, you know, uh, versus mode, I'm assuming. Uh, did Sometimes we did, play uh, online together with it. Uh, but I just, it's something about that in-person connection while playing video games is what I miss. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fair, fair. But well, if you guys ever did first mode, did you guys ever get uh did your friends ever accuse you or get angry and they called it screen looking screen peeking (laughs) um i think there was a there's rumblings of that but mostly like jokes uh i don't remember anyone really accusing each other we all kind (laughs) of knew nick was doing it but you know we don't care (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) i definitely screen looked yes (laughs) wait what was that what was that I said I definitely screen looked. Oh, confession! I, I I never tried to hide it. I had one friend who will remain nameless. I'm not trying to call anybody out. Who absolutely hated it. He's like, <laughs> "How did you know I was around the corner?" I'm like, "Lucky guess." He's like, "You screen looked." I'm like, "I I always shoot rocket launchers around the corners." <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Every corner gets two rockets. That's my <laughs> I, I may have done it occasionally. Generally, it was like an accidental peek just because the entire screen's right there in front of me. I'm trying to focus on mine, and it's just something caught my eye, the corner of my eye type thing. But I'd try and generally avoid it, and I, I assume that we all at least had those accidental moments and whatnot. And if, uh, if it was a situation where I had a rocket launcher or something, I'd be extra careful not to do that just because, like, I mean, I don't want to be the guy rocketing a guy before he comes around the corner. I don't want to be you, Josh. I never want to be you. <laughs> I liked being me. <laughs> it was fun. I um, never did, but that's not because of morals. I totally would have if I could. I just couldn't <laughs> process all the data at once. I'm barely keeping track of my own screen. I can't look at somebody else's, too. It definitely backfire, too. Like, uh, yeah. It... Well, it really depends on your play style. Because um, a lot of screen peekers were campers, and that's 
when your screen isn't changing so much, you can view the others and survey the battlefield. I was a mover in combat. I, if I, I spawn, I start moving. I never stop till I die. Uh, obviously exceptions apply, but in general, um, so I'm always looking at stuff and getting new views. So it just, it just didn't work for me. Yeah. I trust me. I would have if I could. Oh, I was gonna say <laughs> Halo Two. I have uh, no worlds. In, in the Halo games, is generally less conducive for uh, for campers because there's yes. not so, there's not so many like key choke points. And on top of that, most of the weapons aren't that great at long range. And it takes longer to kill a person than it does in the uh, Call of Duty games. All true. So, so more time to react. Yeah, exactly. If you're a, if you're just waiting there for a person or whatnot, unless you have something like a sniper rifle and you are, uh, and you're pretty much a headlock <laughs> with your, uh, with your shots, it was uh, it was pretty difficult. And now you could occasionally get away with it with like the rocket launcher or a shotgun or something like that if you found energy sword. A pro- a- <clears throat> proper corner yeah energy sword was the one to do it with rocket launcher could work but ammo is too limited the sword that's the and spe- you kill yourself too yeah if you're tight enough you'll kill yourself pretty quick all right well guys um we're we're clicking on down the the clock here so let's not uh forget our other topics what are we uh, doing next we're doing josh beasley with food take it yes, away and, but and before we uh, dive into that. I think I speak for all the listeners and uh, everyone here when I say I do miss JT um, as yes. our host. He's a much um, better host than me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, you're doing a fantastic job. Thank you for filling in. All right, all right. Um, <laughs> <but> no, <laughs> I didn't feel like I needed encouragement until you gave it to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me, um, if I'm going to be host... Quick pause on your story, Josh. We need to give a I'm free news update. News update, people. Josh, your story you gave last time. Oh, the true false story. Could you quickly refresh us on that? Yeah. So it was Hoover the Seal, I believe. I forgot his name during the story last time, and we looked it up afterwards. And uh, I know I left everyone. I don't know if it's true. Uh, you know, I didn't do a lot of research. Well, we we did some more research after the podcast, and it was indeed 100% true. Yes. Hoover speaks English. And he has a really strong Boston accent, too. <laughs> it's fascinating. You should really all you, – you should look it up. If you, if you haven't yet, just, just look it up. You know, little tiny clips. not going to take long, but it's well worth it. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. But we just thought we should uh, update the the listeners on that. We uh, we had some controversy on whether it was true or not, but it was indeed a true story. All right. Uh, anyway, Josh, that concludes the news update. Um, back to our show, uh, Josh. You're about to tell us about some wonderful foods, right? Yeah. So I just figured we could all talk about like our favorite food memories or maybe just our favorite food in general, maybe where to get it and, you know, any other stories we might have. Um, I, I figured I could start us off uh, and TC, feel free to jump in. The story involves you. Uh, one of my, yeah, I, I figured we would uh, uh, 
both one of us would have to bring this one up. Um, so one of my favorite food memories, mostly because it's probably one of the best meals I've ever had, uh, was in Washington, D.C. So a couple years ago, uh, T.C. came up to visit me in Maryland, uh, like a good friend, and uh, we had decided we wanted to try a Michelin star restaurant. Neither of us have ever been. We thought it would be a lot of fun. So we looked it up. There's several in, in D.C. You can have your pick at them. There's one stars, two stars. I'm leaving some three stars. There was one well, star way out in the Virginia countryside. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, which, you know, with every star, it gets more and more expensive. And at the time, you know, we were like, okay, not the three star. And we were <laughs> on the edge for the two star. But we're like, you know what, let's just start with with a one star and just kind of get the experience. So we actually did some decent research and we landed on this restaurant called Fresca. And it's this small little place. Uh, how many seats would you say that was TC? 25, 30 seats? Yeah. There, well, I, I think I read something that there was like maybe up to about 40 seats total, but maybe it spread out about 10 tables. It was, it was not a very big restaurant by any means a large portion of it was taken up by the bar Um, great bar (laughs) oh yeah delicious cocktails oh yeah they had this mixologist back there who uh certainly knew what he was doing (laughs) all very fresh ingredients too it's not just like here here's some uh here's some seltzer water here's some coke or whatever and here's some rum in it it was like no here's this like Here's these different fancy liquors. Here's uh, like fresh squeezed blackberry juice or whatever, you know, garnished with a limb uh, with like a lemon wedge or like a little bit of lemon zest rubbed on the rim. Yeah. Yeah. I I can't remember the name of the drink entirely, but I had an apple blueberry something, but it was had whiskey in it, apples, blueberries. I mean, it was absolutely delicious. Wow. I think mine had like blackberry, lemon, and uh, honey, or it might have been black cherry, um, something like that. But it was, it was top notch. It was very good. <laughs> That's right, strong. So the, so the drinks are good. Uh, what's the food like? So we chose Bresca because we thought that we would get the best uh, Michelin experience. Because there's, we saw some others that had the Michelin star, and I'm not knocking them at all, but it. It um, didn't quite have the same feel that we were looking for. We wanted to have very fancy plating, very fancy design to fancy sounding food. So we landed on Fresca. And uh, now I can't remember all the technical names to this dish, but they had this this duck dish on there. And uh, TC and I decided that if we, I thought maybe doing a tasting menu uh, I didn't know if they would let me do it by myself. TC wasn't big on the scallops, so he didn't want to do that. But anyway, we we decided that we were going to ask him about the duck. Now, they only did, uh, what was it, three a night? Yeah, um, like three of them a night. I uh, believe they got in fresh duck every single day. Uh, and it's like, we, we get three each day. If we sell out any given night tough luck you know we're out we're out (laughs) and you can't reserve it beforehand so you can't call on monday be like hey wednesday send me set a duck they didn't do that (laughs) it's first come first serve 
Wow. No. Will they order it, an extra one for you? Like, not to set aside, just to have more on hand. No. <laughs> not that I know of. <laughs> Granted, I didn't ask. Very but... It was also the most expensive thing on the menu, but... Oh, wow. You guys got the most expensive thing on the menu. Well, it says two to four as well, so if you portion it out like that, it wasn't necessarily... Like, oh. Uh, okay, so you uh, split a duck order. Yes, exactly. It was, it was, again, meant to serve two to four. Okay. Which right. it served only two that night. Uh, <laughs> would it have worked for four? Um, uh, it depends on the four. If you eat a sensible portion and you are very sensible about that kind of stuff, sure, it would feed four. If you are a glutton, uh, a glutton like myself, <laughs> no. <laughs> you and your friend. We, 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 we were both quite full afterwards, but nothing was sitting heavy on our stomach either. So it was... It was the it was like the perfect amount of food for the two of us. Yes. Uh, like it either if either of us ate any more, I feel like we would have felt like we had overindulged. Perfect. Okay. But at the same time, we didn't feel like we had to eat less or anything like that, or that we were we we never felt at any point that we forced any food down. Kind of. Just the yeah. perfect amount. Yes, and. I do apologize. I guess I jumped ahead slightly in the story because the duck is just so good. It's at the forefront of my mind. I forgot that we did get appetizers. I got me a, a scallop crudo, which is basically thin sliced raw scallops. And they served it with some uh, fresh pea shoots, some edible flowers, a buttermilk dressing. Uh, I believe the flowers they grew on the roof, a lot of their herbs they grew there themselves. Um, and it was absolutely delicious. Uh, and TC got a very interesting appetizer. I believe it was uh, called like uh, crispy uh, beef shoulder or something like that. Uh, essentially, what it was was they uh, did like some. It was like some deep fried uh, beef skin, kind of along the lines of what uh, almost if you think like a very uh, fancy like pork skin or crackling or whatever like that. And then they take a very thin sliced raw beef shoulder or like a carpaccio style almost and drape it over the uh, hot, uh, the uh, hot crackling or the hot, um, hot beef skin just to sear it ever so uh, slightly Um, still pretty much uh, raw, but then they drizzled a, I believe it was like some sort of horseradish sauce over it, like you would traditionally get with a carpaccio, or I think Tartar does that too. Josh can correct me if I'm wrong. But it's generally some sort of horseradish sauce served with it. And yeah, I just do that very slightly. It's very, very tasty. I'm not the biggest raw food eater as far as, uh, at least when it comes to meats. But uh, I had had carpaccio before, so I was like, you know what? I'm willing to go for this. And it was it was delicious. It was. I, I very much enjoyed it. Um, I think I they they gave a pretty good portion size for that one too. So uh, there was like two of them, and since they're both pretty good size, I was like, "Hey, Josh, would you like one?" And so he tried. I said yes. <laughs> of course, of course, <laughs> like any any proper man would. Now I did offer scallops in return, but. Yeah, I didn't would, know he also wouldn't eat them, so it was easy to offer. 
Yeah, that's a good offer right there. That's the best kind. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's raw scallop. I'm not big on the whole raw shellfish thing, and uh, that is true. Yes, it's true. I eat anything, so. Huh. But uh, so yeah, after our delicious starters, we were like, okay, you know, we were feeling pretty pumped. And I should also preface this whole story by saying, I am very picky. Like I, 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 I eat everything, but I'm also, I, I can't help it. Sometimes I'm a little critical. I'm like, okay, let's see what this is all about. You know, like I, I'm not trying to be difficult. It's just something that happens. I'm always like, well, I'm skeptical, I guess is the right word. Skeptical. Um, are, are you like trying to find the flaws in the meal and trying to improve it in your own head? No, I, like I, I don't necessarily try to find the flaws if they're there. I can usually pick them out and then I do fix them in my head. But I, the best way to describe it is when you're in the, the restaurant business, you go to culinary school, you kind of get the veil lifted. So you see through some of the, just the frills, you know, you see behind the curtain, these fancy okay. words don't mean anything to you. The fancy uh, presentations, you're like, okay, I can see through this. Oh, you're going to use the fancy French name, but we all know that's just fancy for whipped cream or, you know, we, it's just the sauce with some butter in it. You know, it's whatever. So, you know, I, I, sometimes I could be a little o- over critical, but I don't mean to. Hmm. Well, that's quite the opposite of me. Um, I am usually <laughs> flabbergasted by fancy words. So, you know, maybe we should uh, <laughs> we should go to a restaurant together and mix. <laughs> what you're saying is I should never hire you to uh, read over any sort of contract because if uh, the if whoever wrote the whoever wrote up the contract used any fancy words whatsoever, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're going to be totally fucked over by it and I'm going to be then fucked over by yeah, it. Yeah, 100%. Or garnish, you know, if they put like some uh, some garnish on the on the side. I'm done. If they use a fancy font. <laughs> sure. That works. It's a it's a <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, man. Well, that that is a, a fantastic sounding meal, guys. Uh, do you have any dessert? Well, hold on. We haven't got to the, the best part. Sure. So we keep, we keep talking about the duck, and I'm finally – okay. So I'm not sure what marinating process they have. I'm not sure what they were, what they were doing to prep for it. But here's what I do know. So what they did was when we ordered the duck, we got the whole duck. So we got every piece of that thing. Head and all. Uh, uh, Yes. So basically what they did is they would break down the duck. They took the duck breast and they they score it and they would uh, sear it and cook it through. Nice crispy skin. And it would be crusted with a pink peppercorn crust and other spices and everything. Uh, cooked to perfection, by the way. And then they took the leg and thighs, and I'm not sure how they cooked them. I'm, I'm sure they probably cooked them in the oven, roasted them off. But then they took the meat, and they made tarts out of them, a tart filling. The tart was made the, – the, the crust was made out of uh, – I believe it was homemade rye bread, if I'm not mistaken, um, that they made the crumbs out of and made the, made the dough – and the meat, I, I am not sure what all they put in it. It looked, it was a very interesting uh, pink color. Um, but they had the shredded meat all in there, and they topped it with cherries and uh, what was that, kohlrabi? Uh, I can't remember everything. And then they topped it with some edible flowers. Either it, 
to be honest, it's not something that I would normally eat, but I tried it under these, those circumstances, and I'm so glad that I did. Oh, man, it was absolutely delicious. It hit every note that you want. It was creamy. The, the rye crust was a little bit, uh, a little bit was, on the bitter side. Berry that they used. It was one of those two. I think it was cherry, wasn't it? Yeah, they did have cherry on it, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think that they cooked the cherries, or at least steeped the cherries in like vinegar and wine. Uh, so they're, I want, no, they weren't quite pickled, but they had a little bit of a acidity to them. That and, sounds pretty good. Oh, man, it was delicious. Oh, my God. Exactly. Yep. And uh, they also made us a salad with kohlrabi and some more cherries, and I think there was some honey on there, and uh, it was absolutely delicious. But one of the my favorite parts was, remember I said we got the whole duck. So what they did was they took the carcass, the bones, head, all everything, and they roasted them in the oven. I'm assuming with vegetables, um, maybe tomato paste, maybe some red wine. They do all that. And then what they do is they wheel out this – it looks like a torture device, but they wheel out this giant press. Um, and it has all the bones and everything in there and whatever else they want to throw in that thing. I believe they, the uh, blood as well. They put, I believe they – Oh, yeah. I had every, everything that was left over from that thing. Um, the bone marrow, all that. So I'm uh, – so they have this press. They wheel it out to your table, actually, and they have this this burner and this fancy looking copper pot. Okay. And they they literally just start. So I wanted to do the best I can to describe it. Basically, it's like this canister that's attached, and they got like this lever coming out. And when he imagine like a coffee press, when he when he turns the lever, it just slowly goes down and it presses everything in there. You can't see inside of it, unfortunately. I, I think that would have been pretty cool. But he it has a valve at the bottom. So he's squeezing this thing down and turning this lever, and all of this liquid just starts coming out into this pot. And he literally he starts making a sauce right in front of us. With, uh, the, I know duck, that, with the concentrated duck juice? Yes. Wow. Yes. yes. I, I'm sure yeah. – I think there was red wine. There was the duck yes, juice. The there duck. was – all kinds of other seasonings. A bit of duck blood there too. It's like yeah, it's like the marrow, the juice, uh, the blood, and then other spices, seasonings. Like you said, I think there was wine in there too. He was explaining the entire process as he's kind of like whisking it together. Cool. And uh, then he takes this sauce, and I was like, oh man, that's a lot of sauce. And I, I was like, oh man, don't just drizzle a little bit of on 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 the plate or whatever. That, that looks delicious. And he starts off by spooning it uh, not over the duck breast because he doesn't want to sog- soggy up the uh, the beautiful crust that they made. So he starts spooning it around it, and I'm like, oh, please give me – in my head, I'm like, I want more. And then when he gets done doing that little thing, he takes the pot, and he just dumps the rest of it out on there. And I'm like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> so it's just drowned in this sauce. Again, the skin is up top, so it's not it's not sogging up. It's still nice and crispy. And they give us these homemade milk bread rolls. A whole pan for us. I think there was like eight of them. God, I forgot about the rolls. And now oh, they were so good. <laughs> they were topped with some chives and, and some uh, very coarse salt on each one. Oh, like, they were fabulous. Was there garlic in there too? I think there might have been a little bit of garlic. That's possible. Uh, it was making me so hungry. And he, he was like, 
after he was all said and done, he said, now, you know, he gave us the final spiel on what everything was. And he said, my personal favorite thing to do is once when everything's kind of eaten up, you take some of these rolls, you just sop up the sauce. I'm like, absolutely. That's exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what we're going to do. <laughs> Thanks for the advice. And when I say we ate every crumb, we ate every last crumb. <laughs> yes. Oh, man, it was fabulous. Licked it clean, huh? Yes, yes. Sure mortified some other patrons there. <laughs> I mean, there were plates in front of. I mean, every, there was so much food, and we we ate every scrap. It was hands down. I've eaten a lot of duck. I've made duck. I've been to other places had duck. I've been to Emerald Lagasse's restaurant had duck. This was hands down the best duck I have ever had. That was none. only a one star. Yeah. <laughs> it was fabulous in, in all fairness um josh did uh mention uh, mention this when we got there because i was asking him this based on his culinary background what uh, what he thought he said you know i bet this place and this chef and based on the food and the service would probably have two stars if they uh if they made if they made it like a little bit fancier fine dining atmosphere and uh, i had a had like a stricter dress code like you could go in there with like a polo and uh and like khaki shorts or whatnot yeah, it was it was pretty casual i mean we got all dressed up we went in suit we went in like with uh suits and button down shirts and stuff like that but most of the people there are just uh polo and khakis and whatnot okay. um i i was looking it up recently uh and the the head chef and creator of that restaurant actually opened up a second restaurant right above it in the same building uh, called Junt. Junt. Uh, yeah, it's a J uh, O N T with like some accent mark over the O. I think it's like, it's a, I, I don't know what the type of accent mark is called, but it's, it looks like an up arrow. Almost. Okay. Yes. Some kind of thing. Um, and that one has received two stars. This is the same chef does have a second restaurant that has two stars to it. Okay. Okay. Uh, Are you claiming that gives you partial two star status? What What I'm saying is the food quality <laughs> with the quality of two stars. Oh, it, hands down. It was the okay. Uh, so All right. the, it was the ambiance more than anything because one star is definitely for the food. It's the cook's reward. The two stars. You've got a nice balance between ambiance, service, and food. And then three is, not my words, but perfection. Perfection. Yes. Interesting. Well, we got to do a three-star one day. It's on my bucket list. Oh, hands All down. Right. Yeah, I have a three-star on my list that I want to go to. Which one? Uh, it is called Alinea, in, and it's in Chicago. Okay. Um, I... Very fancy. Uh, I don't want to get. We're dragging on time. I don't want to go too far into it. But it, the main theme is, uh, it's it's a show that it, everything messes with your mind. Nothing's as as it seems, and it's fascinating. And I would absolutely love to check it out sometime. Mm. Sounds good. Sounds very um, good. Yes. And to wrap up our Bresca story, we did have dessert. I believe TC got some cake pops. Yes, uh, and yeah, they were delicious. Uh, I got 
this kind of chocolate truffle cake with, uh, which I hardly remember, which was delicious. But the star on that plate was this homemade cherry sorbet Ooh. that was out of this world. It was super tart. It was supposed to play with the with the the richness and the sweetness of the of the cake. But I I absolutely love that cherry sorbet. It it was I I gotta try a bite of that too. We we had a pre arranged. Uh... Hey, I get like a bite or two of that. I'll give you one of the cake pops because of like course, the cake pops course. came as like three packs or whatnot. Yes. I, now the cake pops, like I said, were delicious. He went the right direction with it. This was, this was better. <laughs> Josh always knows every time I eat out with this guy, the things he orders are always by far the best. I mean, yeah. it makes sense. Obviously he's a culinary master. Oh, master. Oh, okay. <laughs> I appreciate yeah, it. You're my, cul- uh, my, you're my culinary sensei, bud. We got to this guy with so much culinary and for so much culinary advice. Oh yeah, if you if, listener, random listener, if you don't have uh, a good friend who's a major foodie, go find one and make friends with them because they're great <laughs> to have around. <laughs> they're some value friends. <laughs> Especially if they've got like some culinary training of their own. Like sure, that. sure. Honestly, a homemade skill that gets pretty good too, though. No offense yes, to your, uh, yes. you know professional education josh no no uh you know, a lot of the best cooks i know are home cooks you know people's grandmothers you can learn so much from them yeah yeah huh okay um well do you guys want to hear my best food story since we got a few minutes yeah. left yeah. Uh, i guess so all right <laughs> thanks josh <laughs> <laughs> oh top mine I can't. Honestly, I can't. Here's a <laughs> sounds orgasmic. <laughs> but um, mine's way, way simpler. And it's more of the, the mood and the experience uh, besides just the food. But it's all wrapped in. Mm-hmm. The food was also fantastic. So um, my dad was a big fisherman and took us to the beach a lot and would always try to get me and my brother to fish. We rented a boat along this no, not a boat, a house along the Sound uh, back in 2005 or 2007 or something, you know, vaguely in that area. So I was 10 or 12 or so, um, and we brought our grandmother around for her last big family uh, trip before she declined in health and didn't continue on those. So we got me, we got my brother, we got my two parents and my grandmother, the whole core nuclear family plus one. Um, we go out to the pier and spend an entire lazy afternoon fishing and catch an entire like basket full of fresh, delicious flounder. Um, and we take them straight from the water to the fillet board and start filleting them up and put them straight into a fryer while we soak them in milk first, soak them Mm -hmm. in milk for a while. Then my dad's, um, he's got a little light battering thing that he does. I'm sure it's very simple. Um, you know, probably just a little bit of Old Bay. Oh, my secret ingredient, boys. You know, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> some, some redneck secret ingredient. <laughs> but it's good, though. Whatever it is, it's good. So <laughs> it goes in the fryer. Uh, fresh caught food that was, you know, alive 20 minutes ago and you caught it yourself. Um, and you watched it get cleaned. There's a unique experience to that. It's it's tremendously yes. fun. It feels so right and natural, I guess. 
Um, fresh seafood. It, it's hard to eat. <laughs> yeah, 20 minutes oh, out of the water. It was flopping 19 <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> it was a cooling off piece of it. Um, also, uh, do you guys ever soak your fish in milk before you uh, do anything else with them? You ever tried that, uh, Josh? I, I have. I've done it with fish. I've done it with chicken. Uh, I, I love it. Oh, have not done chicken. That I would. I assume that would work great. Yeah, I do. So sometimes I do like some buttermilk, maybe a little bit of hot sauce in there. Let them soak for a while. Uh, hot sauce is great. Buttermilk we've done. Yeah, we would do whole milk and buttermilk mixed. Would you ever yep. let me pick the hot sauce for that for yours to soak in? Oof, don't do it. Absolutely not. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> yeah, milk's a really simple marinade, but it does pull a lot of the blood and gamey tastes out. And we yes. do soft, white, delicious milk-soaked meat. It's pretty great. I believe I've mostly done the milk <laughs> trick with catfish when it comes to seafood. Well, well I guess fish, just because it's so it can be a little. Oh yeah, uh, strong, dirty tasting. Oh yeah, there's flavor. There's a lot of flavors in there. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of really fishy fish that you uh, really should um, do something to. Milk marinade yes. would work. Flounder, honestly, you don't, but we did anyway, just because. Hey, hey nothing's wrong with milk fat. <laughs> there you go. We all like a little milk fat in our lives. <laughs> <laughs> Try taking meat, soaking it in fat, and then boiling it in fat, and then eating it. Eh? <laughs> That's the strategy. <laughs> but yeah, that was definitely my the the food experience that sticks out in my head the most. Um, I mean. We we were we were catching them and cooking them and catching more and cooking them. It was just that continuous cycle. That was the fun part about it because as soon as you get a bite, you know if you can reel it in. Food's on the way, boys. Here we go. Um, it was it was tremendously fun. A great experience. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, not quite not quite as cool as a a, a starred Michelin restaurant, but yeah, <laughs> I got what I got. <laughs> Hey, that's still not you. You're out there with family. You're outdoors. You're catching your own food. You're, you know, you're cooking it yourself. I mean, it's, it's, it's a good time. One day, when the dark times come, and the <laughs> the snow is on the ground, and the wolves are on the prowl, and things are bad, I'm gonna know how to catch a fish. So it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet you that Michelin star restaurant is closed down by then. <laughs> that's a fair point that is a fair I'm point out Alex booze for that fish <laughs> that's true I will sell I will sell the fish I love capitalism <laughs> I love <laughs> hashtag merchant um, alright cool well uh, do we want to talk more about uh, food experiences anyone got a runner up they want to bring up TC you kind of had to piggyback off Josh you want to give us your independent one <sighs> I mean, honestly, that's the one that sticks out the most, though. Like, that's I, like fair. I said, it sounded he, sticky out. <laughs> he knew that was the one. I will say that I did go to um, uh, an, another uh, Michelin-starred restaurant as well that also had wow. duck that ended up being my uh, runner-up duck-wise. Uh, just when my family visited New York, it was like um, it, it was part of like this uh, Chinese dish. It was a Chinese restaurant that we went to. Ooh. I think it was like Peking style. Okay. But it was in um actually it was it was like served with like a lot of these uh fresh peppers as, as well and in this kind of broth. Mhm. Uh sounds good. It, it was very tasty. But again, like I said, it, 
it was as tasty as it was. It was still wasn't even close to this uh, other one. That was fair enough. Now, I don't think that was necessarily the top. Th- like that wasn't necessarily their specialty at this other uh, Michelin starred restaurant or anything like that. Hmm. It wasn't you know some asterisk item on the menu of a uh, hey this is what you got to try if you're coming here. But I just wanted to see how it stacked up being there was also from a Michelin starred place. Um, All right. But the Washington DC one, the one you went to with Josh, that was the better one of the two, huh? It was the better one of the two. In fact, it might've been the best meal that I've ever had. I think it probably was the best meal that I've ever had. It sure sounded like it. Not necessarily my favorite food, although a good duck is very good. I, I do enjoy a good duck every now and then, but I mean, if I, if I'm being as honest as possible, like that's uh, that's the best it, meal, huh? Yeah. All right, All right, Josh, you agree with that? Best meal ever? Honestly, yeah, it probably it probably was my the best meal I've had. It, it just everything worked together. Everything was seasoned beautifully. Everything was cooked well. You know, it was just amazing. This service was fantastic. So this place has a two-for-two two score in the uh, best meal of our lives chart, huh? They, they very, yes. Uh, That's amazing. They, they very much earned that star. Um, also, <laughs> like, again, as far as they earned the hell out of that star. As far as Michelin star restaurants go, too, it wasn't like it was crazy expensive or anything oh, like yeah, that. Oh, well, yeah. No. Now, for My price for was a bag of worms. Yeah, but, well, I was going to say for everything um, – after after generous tip from us, I think it was like two sixty total for the two of us. So, wow. like one hundred and thirty a man, one hundred and thirty a piece. Yes, there's been a couple other times at different restaurants where I've spent that much or more. Yeah, I just paid more at Inga's Barn t- uh, last night. Likewise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, this sounds oh. way better. Huh? Come on, Inga's Barn, uh, pick up your game. Oh, <laughs> I, I was gonna say Inga's Barn, like. I've been there like three times, and those three times that I was there would all crack top ten. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. So, it's pretty, it, it, it's it was delicious. That was excellent. We, we, it's just we don't have much in this area that could stack up to a uh, Michelin-starred restaurant. Uh, I understand. Um, all right, cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, the guys, steak last night was delicious. Yes, truly sh- fantastic. Well, guys. Um, I think it's about time for us to roll on past this and head to the true or false story. Sounds um, good. Any final closing words on food? Food. A food is good. <laughs> All right. So true or false story presented to you by Alex Brown. The year is 1920 something. The place <laughs> is probably <laughs> Chicago, maybe Boston, a city in America. Um, the man is Friedrich Hertzkel. Friedrich Hertzkel. I'm going to call him Fred. Um, so old Fred, I'll call him Friedrich. I'm not doing that last name, though. That last name's hard. <laughs> All right, so good old, good old Fred um, Friedrich. He is a medical uh, professor at a university in his city, and he is all about research. Um, very helpful to his fellow professors and researchers also because he allows himself to be used as an experimental uh, test dummy. What is he testing, you might wonder? The consumption of non-food things. They start (laughs) them off simple. 
nothing but glass marbles for a day oh, no. or two. And they tested how long that took for him to shit it back out. Turns out, a couple <laughs> days. Those guys move slow. <laughs> then <laughs> they started doing asbestos, ball bearings, balls of twine. Um, he developed a major taste for medical gauze. Like he would soak it in fruit juice and down them. And even after the experiments were done, he just kept doing it because he liked it. He was like, wow, medical gauze is amazing. <laughs> oh, I think the asbestos probably did. Uh, maybe the lead balls they made of eat too. I don't, I don't know about that one. <laughs> that was not part of the story. Um, okay, so what is part of the story, though, is the guy continues eating these bizarre and unhuman things for a couple years. Um, and eventually begins... He starts feeling a lot of major intestinal issues, a lot of intestinal distress. That makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. Of course it does. Do you guys want to know what his solution to that was? Eat more of this shit. Eat more of this shit because that'll help research go faster and fix this for me. He he just doubled down on the ball bearings and the glass marbles and the asbestos (laughs) and the medical gauze. So <laughs> <laughs> we did this for a couple of years um and eventually he realized it was bad for him and retired uh in total he ate hundreds and hundreds of meals worth of non-food items and tested how long it took for him to shit him back out true false i'm gonna say true and uh <laughs> i'm surprised he lived that long all right true josh you know what? I just want to be different. I'm going to go with false. Never underestimate science, Josh. Totally true. <laughs> he, continued, he continued eating medical gauze for the rest of his life. <laughs> I guess I just really wanted that to be false because that sounds horrible. <laughs> People eat weird things all the time. There's some name for the condition that I don't remember. Because of the That's pee. true. Uh, yeah, it's like um, I, f- I forget what it's called, but I, I know what you're talking about. Pee, but, uh... It does, but it's phagia who cares um this guy might have had that that's actually a good point tc so what do we think of the odds are that this guy had that bizarre medical condition and was using research as a way to justify it to himself and others that's my theory uh, yeah that sounds pretty likely decent at least a decent chance of it or maybe he didn't know that he had this or whatnot like that but he yeah, just he might like, not have. but he but he like felt this kind of craving to eat the. I must eat medical else. gauze. That's a, you know, just. Well, I wonder what would happen if people ate these other things or whatnot like that. Uh, I, someone's got to find out. <laughs> that is true. We still know all that data today, and it is used like in, um, in in like consumption cases. If you eat weird things. They do check the chart, the Fred chart, and they're like, all right, that's a, that's a three-dayer. Let us know if you hit five. You know, they, oh, that's a two-day one. Come back if you don't have it out by three days, that kind of thing. Um, so good for you, Fred. He's saving lives. Yeah. What is and that? in his defense, medical gauze is delicious. <laughs> all right, guys, let's close it on that. Let's close it on delicious medical gauze. So to you, listener uh, out there, you can reach us at uh, our email account, talkwithimfree at gmail.com. Is that right? I think so. Is that right, Josh? Yes. Talk, I'm free. 
Oh, okay. That none of us know. All right, we think it's talk with I'm free at <laughs> gmail.com. Um, and there's no apostrophe because Jason told us that. Um, other than that, boys, let's uh, let's call it a day. Nobody tell anyone about this recording. All right, if you're listening to this, it's just you. Don't, Don't you dare do it. Not even JT knows this happening. We're not going to tell him about it. That's right. That's right. This is a pure secret. Keep it to yourselves, boys and girls. And don't eat medical gauze.